BT coaching versus ST coaching. Do you even know what that is? I'm going to tell you. Kanisha Hart, host of the Coach Up podcast. Super excited to be talking to you guys. So what am I talking about when it comes to CT coaching versus ST coaching? And how do I even have the ability to talk about this? Well, I coached in corporate for years. And so as a Coach Up podcast host, I have the privilege of interviewing six and seven figure coaches, asking them, finding out from them how they built their business to that level. I don't coach anymore. I have one person that I do help, but my profession is all about the podcast, bringing others to you guys. At the same time though, I do have some experience with coaching and praise the Lord, I had some success with coaching. And so now I'm gonna start doing a little bit of conversation with you guys, bringing solo episodes to you all for the podcast and IG Live, we'll get to hear a little bit of it. I'm going to be doing that now to share a little bit about what I know about coaching, as well as what I'm learning from these amazing six and seven figure coaches that I get the privilege of talking to. So when I was thinking about what's going to be my first topic, CT versus ST coaching came to mind because there's a difference. So first, let me explain what it is, because I know you're wondering and you're waiting. ST coaching, I am labeling that as self-taught coaching. CT coaching is corporate taught coaching. What is the difference? Let me explain. So in the coaching world now, when a lot of people hear coaching and think about it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, as in I'm seeking coaching, I am an individual, maybe even a business, and I'm seeking coaching. I'm seeking a coach to bring in, to train my team on something or to help me navigate and hold me accountable toward a goal, a dream, something that I'm working on. Typically, we're thinking about a self-taught coach. And when I self self-taught, that doesn't necessarily mean they taught themselves. I mean, outside of the realm of becoming a coach, stepping into the role of the coach, learning to be a coach in the corporate environment. So there you go. That's the definition of corporate taught coaching, but self-taught can incorporate the fact that you decided to be a coach and you did go through coaching school. So you have attended, become certified as a coach through one of the numerous coaching institutions that provide that information. Whereas with a corporate taught coach, so often that training is one, is often usually not a coach in and of itself unless you're working in a coaching company, right? So if you're working for a coaching company, and they're employing you as a coach or you're, you move into the role of a coach and you're taught through that corporate structure, that's different. But most businesses hire coaches outside of their organization to bring in, hence the self-taught coaches. From a corporate taught coach, typically these are individuals who are moving into leadership or who are in leadership. And because you're in a leadership role, a management role, maybe even a supervisory role, but usually management, mid-level management and up, You are leading people and you are having to have conversations, typically one-on-one, where you should be doing some coaching or you are doing some coaching because you are effectively helping someone move from point A to point B in your organization, in the performance responsibilities that they have, in the project that they're working on, in their day-to-day, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter, year-to-year progress. You learn how to coach in that corporate structure and great, amazing companies, 
maybe I shouldn't classify it like that, but some companies will actually provide usually the HR department. Sometimes you have a leadership and develop, development department, which is amazing, but they will provide training for managers, for people leaders, so that they can learn how to coach effectively. I know that I was a beneficiary of that process in one of the companies that I worked for. So such a blessing. But I wanna talk about the differences between the two because there are some things that come from a corporate taught coach and that style of coaching and that learning that can be so beneficial to a self-taught coach that necessarily may or may not translate and they may or may not know. So I wanna tell you a little bit about that. And because I'm keeping this short, we're gonna dive right in. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share four primary things that separate a corporate coach from a self-taught coach. And you may, obviously there may, this probably overlap. You may already be doing some of these, but these were four things that as I was thinking about as a corporate taught coach for me, what did I learn that I know would be beneficial and translate over to a self-taught coach to that business model that may or may not be known to you as a self-taught coach. So I'm gonna share what those four are. And I will tell you, so the benefit of this is I spent out of my almost 20 year career in corporate America, praise Jesus for that. I led, I had the privilege of leading people. Goodness, I want to say all but three years of that. So approximately 17 years, um, I'm estimating, guesstimating there, that I had the privilege of leading people. And even really before then, actually, I forgot about this. So I've been actually leading people for more than 20 years. Um, I was in what people know. And if you're in, the, in this industry, then you know that if you're in a leadership role, then you, in order to be effective and actually have success for any length of time, you have to be able to coach people because you have to be able to lead people well. And so I was in the direct sales network marketing world Everybody says, don't say this, but I absolutely loved the world that I was in. So I was a consultant and a director with Mary Kay Cosmetics. Absolutely love them. And I had to learn how to coach people. And I will tell you, the what I learned during that time was so beneficial because that was when I was first stepping into working outside of college and then getting out of college and then stepping into the working world. I learned there. I was not great at it. Oh my goodness. And please know that if you are a new coach, if you are a um, newly tenured coach, so you may have been doing it for a little while, or you're a new manager, your coaching is probably not going to be amazing. And that's just because the same way that when you're first learning how to cook, you probably aren't going to be very good unless you just have some natural savant skill set. Most people don't, but it's the same thing. You may be able to talk to people. You may be able to give people advice, which is not coaching per se. We're going to do another segment on the differences of how the coaching word is used nowadays. But you may be able to give people advice. You may be able to talk to people. You may be able to move people, influence people to do things, which is leadership. But if you're still new, you're still not going to be amazing at it. And that's okay. So I have to say, when I was a director with Mary Kay Cosmetics, oh my goodness, I've probably wasn't an amazing coach. I would bet if you ask my team, they might've loved me for whatever reason, but my coaching, I would probably not say they would give high ranks to. Nonetheless, praise God, you get another opportunity and you get better. And so by the time that the Lord took me out of corporate America, I feel like I was a fairly good coach. 
And so there's some things that I learned as I continue to work with people, as I continue to pour into people, as I continue to listen to people, which is such an important part of coaching, that I became fairly decent. Uh, there's always room for improvement, but fairly decent at learning how to coach someone to move from point A to point B and to get there in a time frame that we have set, agreed on, and is beneficial for their goals and in the corporate world for the company. So I say all that to say, just to give you a little bit of background, let me get into the four primary things that I believe a corporate talk coach knows does that a self-talk coach, entrepreneurial coach can use and should use on a very regular basis. So number one, please know, you already know this, but please know, operate from a place of your clients are not your friends. They are not. I know we want to be friendly and you can be friendly, but they are not your friends. Friends, even with friends, we should, we always are to be honest, but with friends, we may couch things to say them in a way that may not be confrontational. A good friend will, but again, there's a way you say it. Or we may be considerate of their feelings and so may hold back as a friend from initially addressing something with a friend because we want to allow them to come to it on their own or we hope they do. Or we know that they feel strongly about something and so we respect that. If somebody has come to you for coaching, you are not their friend. You are being paid to provide them reality, whether, whether they like it or not. So if you come from, or if you start to think of them as friends, or if you go into the situation thinking, I want them to be friends, or I want my clients to feel like friends, you're already doing a disservice to yourself and to your clients. They're not your friend. And you need to have that mentality. That mentality is important because you need to be completely comfortable with the thought process that you are going to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. You are going to challenge them when they say things that are not helpful, that are not going to move them forward. You are going to be bold enough and courageous enough to confront any issues that they have, any excuses that they may give you and you're not going to coddle them and you're not going to let them off the hook as we may a friend because your client is not your friend because your client is your client and for you to do the absolute best job you approach them you see them as a client now as you work with people over a long period of time you have commonalities outside of the work that you're doing there are areas of your lives that just click, you may become friends. If that does happen, I encourage you to evaluate for yourself and then evaluate with your client who slash now is a friend if you are still the best coach for them. Because again, we never want to put ourselves or our clients in a place where we're not giving them the optimal service. So as a corporate talk coach, because typically I'm the leader, I was the leader in that situation. We are definitely, there's a definitely a separation of, I am coaching, I am supporting, I am hearing you out and helping to guide you in the direction you need to go from the mindset of you have to get there because I'm 
not responsible, but I am accountable for your success and mine. And that includes the fact that we have somewhere to go and we both have to get there. So I can't let you off the hook. I cannot deal with excuses. I can or accept excuses. I cannot coddle you. I will be kind. I will work with you. I will support you. But because we are not friends, there's a different approach. And so that's very important. Let me finish the other thought I was going to say. If you do become friends with your clients, once you do the evaluation of yourself and the evaluation of together with your client slash now friend, evaluate if you're still being effective. And if you're not, refer them to somebody else. It's okay to lose the money because a friendship is so worth, a true friendship is worth more than the money. Refer them to somebody else so that they can continue to move forward in a fashion that is beneficial to them. And you can retain this new relationship and no one will get hurt from that situation, right? So evaluate if that happens and then make a decision. Are you all comfortable to move forward, continuing to work together as friends and coach slash clients relationship or to preserve the new friendship, does that person need to move to a different client? And I'll give you a situation in corporate. If you become too close to someone that you work with, and I have had this happen with employees, team members, where I begin to be too friendly with them that I became lax and it hurt them and me. So this is why I can talk about this because you learn from it. Then I had to, what I had to do was I had to seek other coaches, other leaders in my company to say, hey, do you mind coaching them and I'll swap with you, right? And there's a whole lot of parameters that go with that that I won't get into, but the purpose and the primary point I want you to take away is I had to evaluate, I'm not doing a service to my team member or to myself or the company because of how I've allowed the relationship to evolve and the coach is responsible for that, not the client. Then I need to now put in steps and put in parameters so that the employee, the team member, myself and the company are going to thrive. And if I have to do something different, if that means I have to take myself out of the equation, so be it. But in that equation, the example that I gave was I would ask another leader colleague to coach now my employee and then I would take one of their own. And that's that's a good practice for even if the situation is not, you've gotten too friendly. Sometimes we grow as we get to work with other people, learn their style, let our team members see other people's styles. There's a whole benefit to that. Maybe that'll be another conversation, but that is number one. Know that your clients are not your friend. Do not operate or allow that operation to happen within the coach-client relationship. Number two, documentation is vital. So I had a conversation with a coach one time and they talked about the fact that they would do their Zoom episode, they would do their coaching conversations on Zoom and allow Zoom to transcribe and that would be their documentation. Completely okay, completely get that. In addition to that, that's just the conversation. There needs to be documentation and this is from the corporate taught coaching that hopefully self-taught coaches will do and pick up. In addition to notes from the conversation, there's a couple of other pieces of documentation that need to happen and that you need to have. One of those is going to be in addition to the notes from the conversation is gonna be the takeaways. So important for takeaways from the client to be sent to the coach, not the coach sending it to the client. That does not work. 
because you want to gather what did your client actually take away from the conversation? One way that you can make sure that you all both have an understanding before you leave the conversation is that you talk about it at the end of the conversation. You simply ask, what were your takeaways from our conversation today? What are you taking away as your action items? What do you see based on our conversation that you want to work on and have under your belt the next time we meet? They will tell you. And now both of you all have heard it. The documentation part is you have them send that to you in writing. What, what does that do? It solidifies it for them in their mind. Two, it provides the accountability. And three, again, they're taking ownership of it because they are the ones that send it to you. But it is vital in order for you to have a jumping off point for the next conversation that you and the client know this is what we agreed was going to happen and it is documented. So there's no, oh, I thought you said, oh, I thought I was supposed to do. No, 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 none of that. So document, that's one. What are the takeaways? The third one, so one is the notes from the conversation. Second is the takeaways. Third is going to be any in-between conversations that occur or touch bases that occur, you wanna document that. So if you reach out to, the, to your client to check and see how their progress is going and they send that back to you, you wanna include that in your documentation. You want that to be in a place where you are keeping notes for that client. If that client has a question, you want to document that because that allows you to see their progress or where their head is throughout the coaching relationship. Those are some of the things that you want to make sure are documented. And then the last part of that would be anything that you want to bring to the attention of your client in your next coaching session. So as you are thinking about and preparing from the last coaching session to the next, there may be an article that you find that you want to share with them, or there may be a book that you want to recommend, or there may be another coach that you want to pull in. You wanna keep a documented tally of those things so that again, everything that you're doing with this client is in one place and in on paper. The other thing I will say about this is from a corporate standpoint, the reason this is so important for me and was so important in the business is because in corporate, right? People move, positions change. I got a promotion, somebody has to take my spot. They need to be able to know if they're working with your team that you left and somebody is stepping into that role, what was going on with your team? What has already been done? Think about that for the same as your coaching clients. So coaches, I encourage you, if your, co if your client, your program is six months and you're helping them with something, and then you know that at the end of the six months, they're moving on to another coach or they may not be immediately, but at some point they're going to get coaching from somebody else. If you're able to provide them with all of those notes, then they are able to provide that to their next coach. Or they may say, or you can tell them, and this is, this is white glove service, makes you look amazing. You can tell them, hey, if you decide or when you decide to start coaching again, and if you decide to go with someone new, and it may be not even if, it may be when you find your next coach because your program, they've completed it. And so they've done with what you offer. There's not anything additional that you're going to offer them. You can say to them, let me know who that is. And I will be happy to send over the transcript of your notes from our coaching sessions so that they have the background. Now, the coach that they're going to work with may or may not want that information, but it looks good for you. The document, documentation is vital. So one, know your clients are not your friends. Two documentation, vital. Make sure that you're keeping it all the ways that I talked about. Three, do performance reviews with your clients. In the corporate world, if you're in leadership, 
typically you're doing some kind of performance review, right? You are tracking the results of your clients, of your employees in the corporate world. You're meeting with them on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, semi-annual basis to talk to them about where they are, how they're progressing and where they're going to be and what they need to do to get there. Do the same thing with your coaching clients. To my self-taught coaches, do the same thing. When you meet with your client initially, they're coming to you because they want a transformation, because they want to achieve a goal. So you're going to put in place step goals. And so let's say that their goal is to double their client base by the time they end up work in their coaching program with you. You're going to have the baseline of how many clients do you have now. Let's say that's 200. And so they want to double their client base to 400 at the end of six months with you. So your step goal is going to be maybe a 10% increase in the first month. So 20, great. And then the next one may be 30%. Great. You have goals to get you to that 400 double return on number of clients. Have a performance review at the end of the first month to say, not just, are you on track? We set a goal of an additional 20%. So an additional 40 clients, excuse me, I said 200. So 20% or maybe I said 10. I don't remember. Let's go with 20%. So 20% at the end of the first month increase, which will be an additional 40 clients. Okay. That's what we're working toward. Not only are we going to look at for the performance review, did you get an additional 40 clients? We're going to review the performance of the activity that the client was supposed to do to get there. And why are we doing this? Sure, you're talking about it. Sure, that's part of the coaching. But when you put it on paper, and so this performance review is on paper, and then somebody has to read it, they print it off, they look at it on the computer, but it's in a form, a one sheet that tells them, this is what my goal was, this was, the, this was the activity I agreed to do to get to that goal, and this is the result. I agreed to do 300 calls per week, I actually only did 120 each week. I agreed to source 500 new leads, I actually only sourced 300. That performance review gives them a very clear snapshot and that snapshot allows them to say, oh, very succinctly, without question, ah, oh, I see why I missed my goal. Or if they hit it, I see why I hit my goal. Or if they hit the goal but didn't do the activity, I see that I probably could have gotten even more results, better results, if I'd actually done the activity that we agreed on. Or it may be great. I can scale back on my activity or I can leave my activity level where it is and we adjust the numbers, whatever. But when you have the numbers, when you have the review in front of you at the end of the month or every three months or whatever frequency you choose to do it, then that gives a very clear picture that people can work off of. You know, it's that saying of you can't see the forest for the trees because when you're in it, when you're working in it, then it gets to convoluted and you're not able to see the big picture, but a performance review on paper that you provide to your client on a regular cadence allows them to see very quickly 
very succinctly, very clearly, ah, this is what I have done. This is the actual result of what I've done. And this is the actual activity that I've done all in one place. And now I can evaluate and move forward. The performance review. And last but not least, this is going much longer than I thought it would. We're gonna work on these. Anyway, last fourth one is, so first we talked about making sure that you know that your client is not your friend. Second, documentation is vital. Third, do performance reviews. And number four from the corporate taught coaching vault that self-taught coaches should incorporate into your business is making the checks, make sure, excuse me, is make sure that check-ins are done in an encouraging way between your sessions, because this is integral for your influence with your client. What do I mean by that? So check-ins. So let's say that your coaching cadence with your client to me is once every two weeks. Put it on your calendar that every four days or once, even just once in between that two week time frame, you're going to check in and encourage them in the work that they're doing. You don't even have to ask questions. You can, but you don't necessarily have to ask questions. How are things going or what progress have you made or where are you? But you could always ask the question, do you need any help? right? Of course, that's always. But the check-in that's encouraging is really, hey, I was thinking about you and I know that you're working on your 300 leads. I just want to let you know, I know you're probably getting no's and you might be feeling discouraged, but know that on the other side of doing that work, you're going to be proud for one of two reasons, if not both reasons. One, because you completed the task that you set in front of you. And two, you might get a sale out of that, or you probably are going to get somebody to say yes to whatever it is you're th that you're proposing. So I just want to encourage you to keep going, knowing that you are going to be proud of yourself on the other end of the work. It's a simple email or a simple voice message or a simple text, but put on your calendar to have at least one check-in in between the time that you are doing your coaching sessions with your clients. You will be impressed and amazed with the difference that it makes that your clients know that you're thinking of them even when you're not in a paid meeting session. Okay, so from a corporate talk coach, which is me, even though I guess direct sales network marketing through Mary Kay is not exactly corporate, but again, I wasn't great. So we learned to be better in corporate. So for me, corporate talk coach, CT coaching, verse to my ST, self-taught coaches, I want to make sure that you think about if you're not already doing these, and you probably are, but if you're not, incorporating these four very important cadences and touch bases. Hmm, I don't know. Touch base is the right word. Either way, incorporate these four actions in your coaching with your clients. And I believe you will see a richer coaching experience for your clients as well as for you. Until next time, thank you for joining me for an episode of the Coach Up Podcast. Thank you for joining. Share this with a coach if you know one. And this is not just for self-taught coaches. If you are a leader, manager in the corporate space and you have a team, so you probably coach, make sure that you're doing these four things too. Okay. Thanks again for hanging out. See you guys next time.